The question has been posed, who's your one? Inside of your bulletin this morning, you might have noticed a bookmark. It's a little longer than a normal bookmark. It's because there's a perforated edge at the top. Underneath the question, who's your one, there's a blank for a name. I'm going to ask you in just a little bit to use this bookmark. So if you would, keep this handy. If you've got a name on there already, that's good. If you don't, hopefully you will have soon. I want to ask you this morning to turn with me to John chapter 6. As I talk to you about the importance of one. John chapter 6 verses 1 through 14 is where we'll be reading this morning. Perhaps you've been enamored in Sunday school the last few weeks as you've seen Jesus perform miracles and read about the marvelous works He had done. Perhaps you remember growing up as a child some of the stories about Jesus' healing or walking on water or even raising the dead to life. I remember a couple of stories in particular. One, Jesus healing the paralytic man. I can still see in my mind the picture in my children's Bible of four men lowering down their friend through the roof so Jesus could help him to walk again. And another story that I remember from growing up as a child back in children's church where Mr. Jerry Swope at North Hills Baptist in Sherwood, Arkansas was the miraculous story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people 5,000 people from five loaves of bread, really pieces of bread, and two fish. And it all came from a little boy's lunchbox. John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him. Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said, Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, or day's wages, worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone even to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad over here who has five barley loaves and two fish. If you're British, he's got some fish and chips. If you're a good old fishing boy, he's got a couple of brim and some hot dog buns. If uh, you like to snack throughout the day, he's got a couple sardines and some saltine crackers. It's not much. 
Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. John uses that word men specifically. He's not counting the women and children also present. There's a crowd there. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, that is when they were stuffed and had to unnotch their belt a couple of places, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. The importance of one. Now, in this story growing up, I remember being amazed because of the hugeness of the crowd and how Jesus fed them all. In fact, I think this is a pretty common story that Christ followers hear. You've been to church, chances are you've heard preached, or you've heard taught, or you might have even taught yourself this parable of the feeding of the 5,000. So just a show of hands real quickly. How many of you have heard of this miracle story before? You don't have to know everything about it, but you've at least heard it. The majority of you. If you haven't, that's just fine. We're talking about it this morning. You'll know it by the time we're done. But it's one of those things we, we go, Jake, you're really preaching on this again? But I don't want to talk to you so much about the crowd this morning as I want to talk to you about one. I mean, there's lots of people there that day. But Jesus... had a solution from one of his disciples. You remember how many that there were, right? Even if you can't remember their names, Jesus called how many men to follow him? Twelve. But it was one of the twelve that decided, hey, Jesus has raised the dead. Jesus has made the lame to walk. He's caused the blind to see. This is probably not a big deal for him. It was Andrew, it was, it was Simon Peter's brother, after hearing Jesus' exchange with Philip about how there was no way they had enough money to go and buy bread to feed these people. Andrew said, hey, there, there's a guy over here that Mike can help. Maybe. There was one disciple in that group of twelve that had enough courage to bring before Jesus this little boy and his lunchbox. Maybe it's a brown paper sack. Who knows? But whatever the case, this one disciple found one little boy in this crowd of people. Now, who knows? Maybe this lad was smarter than everybody else, and he knew he was going to be there a long time, and so he decided to pack a lunch. Maybe he was one of those stubborn kids that really didn't like to listen to his mom and dad and he just wanted to go hear Jesus and his mom made him take the lunch sack before he left the house. You know what I'm talking about? 
Or maybe he was just carrying some food with him because he knew he was going to get hungry. Whatever the case, this one disciple went and found one boy. Five barley loaves. Not big at all. In fact, you remember those, those homemade loaves of bread that your mom and your grandma used to make for you? Just warm and fresh when they came out of the oven. And how good they were. Well, these loaves were probably a little smaller than that. And they really, they weren't fresh either. In fact, barley was the cheaper of the grains available in that day and time. So this guy was probably just carrying around whatever they'd had at the house. Whether he picked it up or his mom made him take it with him. And these two fish, these weren't big old things that you catch out of the ocean. These weren't those monstrous catfish like we have around here in parts of Arkansas. Just a couple little fish. Probably no bigger than the palm of your hand. But nonetheless, this little boy showed him to Andrew, and Andrew took him to Jesus. One disciple. One little boy and his lunch. And what did Jesus do? With one disciple and one little boy in his lunch. What did he do? You can answer this one. He fed, he fed just one person? He, he fed just his disciples. Rhonda's the only one that's got it right so far this morning. He fed them all. Now just think about this for a moment. If Jesus could take one disciple... And one boy and one lunch and feed 5,000 people. Is there anything that he cannot do? I mean, I I know we've heard this story before and we kind of play it off like, yeah, yeah, Jesus fed a bunch of people. Awesome. But I think we fail to realize and recognize the significance of what Jesus is doing. He is showing his disciples and this little boy and all in the crowd present that he is able to supply everything that they need. And also that he is able to satisfy them fully, totally, completely so that they are without want, lacking in nothing. So instead of reading this story and then getting back to life and going, man, I wish it was that way in the real world. How about as you're sitting here this morning, you stop and think about the times in life that you've encountered a shortage or a lack. Not enough. Maybe even on empty. And instead of looking at all these things and going... There's no hope. I can't. Or God, you probably won't. How about instead bringing that situation and yourself before the Lord and saying, God, there's not a whole lot to work with here. I mean, look at me. This, this is all I've got. A couple of fish and some crackers and a brown paper sack. But Jesus, trust in you. I believe in you and I 
I believe that you want to do great and mighty things in my life and in the lives of people around me and in this world that you've created and died for. In fact, after this miracle occurs, when the people see what had happened, they said, truly this is the prophet who came into the world. The one, the Christ, the Messiah, God's Son, the one that they had waited for forever, Jesus had come. In fact, when God wanted to save the world, He didn't send the host of heaven, the angelic armies, to take over evil and wipe it out. He sent His one and only Son. When He wanted to forgive the sins of mankind, He didn't accumulate as many bulls and goats and sheep and doves as He could and sacrifice them on numerous altars. He sent His one and only begotten Son to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. The importance of one. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about this evangelistic emphasis. Who's your one? What I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to behave like Andrew, the disciple of Jesus, who brought to him one boy. And I want to ask you to identify that one person in your life, if you haven't already in the last couple of weeks, that one person that you are praying for every day on a routine basis, that one person that you're going to invite to come to Sunday school with you and invite to join you for worship on Sunday mornings and sit next to them when they come and invite them to come to Awana or to youth group or to the ladies' event or to the men's campfire fellowship or to the Easter service. That one person that you are building a relationship with, getting to know, listening to, so that you can talk to them about saving faith in Christ. I'm going to ask you to identify your one. Because your one is somebody that God the Father in heaven created. In fact, the Holy Spirit and His Son Jesus are also involved in that creation process. Molding and fashioning each and every human being to reflect their glory and to bear their image. That one person that's on your heart and mind right now is a person for whom Jesus died on the cross. Not caring about himself, but laying his own life down because he loved them so much. You might not think it's a big deal. You might be looking at the world around you and going... What difference can one Christ follower make? You might be looking at the world around you going, man, there are so many millions and billions of lost people out there. Just one person trying to share my faith with them and bringing them to Christ. Is that really going to change things? That one person 
that one person, the person that Jesus died for. I think it's time that we leave the 99 ourselves and we go after the ones. If you take that bookmark out right now, if you don't have one, that's okay. If you've got one, though, take it out. Maybe with a pen that's in your pocket or a pencil off of the back of the pew in front of you, I want you to write down the name of your one. Not your own name, but the name of your one, the person that you're praying for every day to come to faith in Christ, the person you're inviting the church on a regular basis, the person that you are sharing your faith with. I want you to write down their name. If you want to write down first and last, that's fine. If you want to write down just a first name, that's fine. If you want to write down initials, that's fine. I want you to identify that one person. And if you would, just kind of take your card and tear it there on that edge. You can keep your bookmark, maybe tuck it in your Bible, or read through those passages as you pray for your one each day. And right here and right now, I want you to take this little card with the name of your one. And as this hymn of invitation is played, I want you to bring your one up here to the altar, to Jesus. And maybe you want to spend a few minutes praying. Maybe you just want to come up here, just lay them at his feet. Because you know that he died for them on the cross and you know that he wants to save them. And you know that he can. Some of you might have forgotten just how powerful he is, but he's so powerful that that cross that he died on didn't hold his body forever and the grave that they put him in couldn't keep him contained. He rose again from the grave. And if Jesus can come back to life, he can bring to eternal life folks who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Would you take your card? Would you bring it to Jesus and ask them to work in the heart and life of this one person Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you so much for sending your Son, your one and only Son, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the world. Lord, we thank you that he gave his life for all, for the crowds, for each and every one in the crowd. God, I pray that we'd have the faith and the courage to step out and trust you in obedience. To go and to reach that one person in our lives that needs a tender touch from you. That needs a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, we ask that as we lay the names of these people before you at this altar this morning. That you would move, that you would work, that you would break hardened hearts that you would stir with a supernatural working of your Holy Spirit. And God, that you would bring each and every one of these lost sheep home into your fold. Would you save them? In the name of your Son, Jesus. This altar is open for you to come and place these cards.
you need to speak with me, I'll be standing down here in the front, happy to talk to you about anything or pray with you about anything. As God is calling you this morning, would you come to Him?